Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you uh, caught the first hour because it was great. Dr. Greg Borgon gave us a a great study on Ephesians chapter 4. I can't wait to go back and listen to it again. Today's going to, this hour is going to be a very interesting hour once again, and I want to invite your questions. You can send them over at 877-933-2484. My guest is uh, Gregory Wrightstone. He's a geologist who's been investigating the Earth's processes for more than 35 years. He's written a a book called Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. And basically the premise of the book is a couple of things, that climate change is happening, but it's not human caused, so there's no point in modifying our behavior. And global warming is, in fact, a good thing because historically human societies perform better in warmer climates. Crops grow better with more CO2 and because it will help counter the next ice age. So it's a uh, fascinating study, and I'm going to be uh, open to take your questions. They can be in text form only. And again, the number is 877-933-2484. But I'm always excited to have uh, Gregory on the show. Welcome back, Gregory. How are you? Oh, thanks so much. But please just... No questions about Ephesians chapter four. I'm no expert. Okay, I, I, I mean, I, I was at church on Sunday, but it was uh, it was on Colossians, I think. Or okay, oh, all right, all right. So no Ephesians questions. Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. I had an Ephesians expert on, so I'll just leave that uh, to him, and we'll stick with you and geology. How's that? Oh, uh, that'd be good. Hey, and you had a pretty good synopsis, but I want to just clarify what you had. A little intro for me. Yeah, please. I, I do admit that our the increases in CO2 are mostly man-made, mostly from fossil fuels, and they have a modest warming effect on the atmosphere. I I believe that um, it just does. I just think it's it's small and overwhelmed by the the natural forces that have been driving temperatures since the dawn of time, and, and so you know that. It's it's these big natural forcing and drivers of temperature that we see, you know, over the last many thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And like you, but what you were, were were right about, and I'm in the middle of my second book right now, writing it slowly. But um, you know, there's that that's really that I'm in the part now where I'm relating human history to temperature changes, and and it's just opposite of what we're being told. We're being told. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! We can't let it get any warmer. Another degree and a half, we're all going to die. There'll be heat waves, droughts, uh, just terrible things one after another. And we've already seen that. Mm-hmm. We've, it's, it's happened several times since the first uh, the rise of the first civilization, some five thousand years ago. The Hittites and the, the Babylonians and, the, and those great civilizations rose up during. Uh, what was called the Bronze Age, the Minoan Warm Period. Uh, but then when it got cold, it was period was called the Greek Dark Ages. And when that hit, 
all these civilizations. And again, it got colder. Mm-hmm. And it's just just opposite of what we're being told. Fear the heat. No, fear the cold. Fear the cold. Welcome the heat. Because we've seen during those these past civilizations, the Roman warm period, the, which was the time of Christ, uh, just hugely beneficial effects from, from the warm temperatures. And we're seeing the same thing now. We're in a warming period. Embrace it. Welcome it. Mm-hmm. And again, fear the cold. Yeah. So do you feel, Gregory, that we're fighting a little bit of a false threat that's going on in oh, the media definitely. today? Oh, there's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. But if you try uh, to have any kind of discussion with anybody, you're going to be labeled kind of, an, uh, kind of a, nope. a, a, nope. a no-brain nobody person. Can, nobody can, nope, nope, no one can, they will not debate me. They will, there is no, because they can't win what? the debate. I know they're not because... going to debate you, but they might be debating us, people yeah, that know well, less than you. Well, you can arm yourself. You can start with, I'm going to self-promote here. You can start with buying my book. Uh, but but that gives a lot of the facts. And if we look at vir- virtually every metric we look at, and there, this goes back, this is really goes back to a Christian philosophy of, of how we should um, how we should handle climate change and what's going on now. You have the, there, on the one extreme, we have the Pope and most of the Protestant leadership are embracing this idea of man-made catastrophic warming. And they will say, well, you know, God tells us we have to be good stewards and that we need to protect the earth and we can't, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, But what we find is that what's happening today by almost every metric is that the earth, the earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering and humanity is benefiting from modest warming and increasing CO2. CO2 is driving plant growth. Warming is, um, it, it just, again, I've, I've just got a, a commentary published uh, just this, just actually about two hours ago about uh, Governor Tom Wolf from Pennsylvania. His, he's promoting this new carbon tax in Pennsylvania and, and, He's, he's promoting it by using disinformation, uh, using – and one of the things he says is that the uh, uh, heat, the increasing heat will lead to uh, catastrophic consequences and that uh, death will increase. But we find um, – actually, that's the easiest one to refute, uh, and, and you know you've got my book. In my book, I, I point to a couple of – the two largest studies – of temperature-related death in the world. So bear in mind, John Kerry's the new, Biden's new pick for this new climate guru or czar. Uh, one of the things that they do, and that Governor Tom Wolf's doing it, they're saying, oh, it's going to get hot and people are going to die. But if you look at the facts, the science, and the data, that's just not so. We find that uh, Dr. Antonio Gasparini did a study it's about three, four years ago he looked at 74 million temperature-related deaths around the world from 14 different countries. He found that 20 times as many people die cold-related deaths as heat-related deaths. Think about that. 20 times as many people die cold-related deaths due to heat-related deaths. What does that tell us? In the other study I referenced, I looked at uh, Australia and Wales, those two disparate com- countries, mm-hmm. and they concluded it was 15 times as many. So what's that tell you? That tells you that global warming will save lives. Hmm. If it's going to get – and it's just opposite. 
Uh, we're just, and we see this time after time. They, they say X, and you look at the data, and it's Y. And it's 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 you have to look, and that, they always say follow the science, but they're the ones not following the science. They're the ones spreading lies, and again, climate misinformation. That's a convenient term. Follow the science. It it, it somehow it's supposed to shut you up, and when that's being used, I, I think, well, what science are you following? I mean, science is a moving target. Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. There, there are parts of science that we, if we if we don't understand and we're not sure, we should state that. Um, I, I think that's what I meant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. excuse me for no, not, no, sta- no. not stating that well. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not being critical. I'm just. Uh, it's. And I get so frustrated with this, with these, and I, I don't know why some of the. Well, actually, I do know why some of them. It's very dangerous. We just had this conversation today uh, with with one of my one of my supporters. Had uh, I'm, I'm down in Arlington, Virginia, uh, as we speak, and uh, we were talking about. I'm, a, I'm 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 the incoming. I'll be taking over as executive director for a group called the CO2 Coalition. Uh, I'll be taking over January 1st, and and we're a group of 60. Oh, it's scientists, but they're a diverse group, climate scientists, atmospheric physicists, some of the top top people in the world, uh, economists, engineers. Uh, they bring a, a wide range of, of uh, skills to the set. But these are some of the top scientists in the world, including Dr. Will Happer from MIT, atmospheric physicist. It's uh, oh, uh, Patrick Moore, who was the co-founder of Greenpeace. He's the... He's the chairman of, of the CO2 coalition, but mm-hmm. these people all these people all agree with me. We're huge proponents of the many benefits of um, primarily CO2 increases, but but also uh, what the modest warming is doing to benefit people. Because we can see, just think about this: if if it's warming, we're going to see longer growing seasons, more food, killing frosts stop earlier in the spring and arrive later in the fall so you can get more you can get more plantings in mm-hmm. uh, you don't get this killing frost and again this goes back to this christian philosophy of of what we're seeing there are we're breaking records nearly year after year crop after crop and we're able to because of this we're able to feed the hungry feed the poor and it's if we would go back to what we were. And again, I, I've, I've been in a couple of debates with people and I always ask them, what's, okay, what's the, what's the ideal temperature for the earth? And Michael Mann from Penn State, the, the originator of what's called the hockey stick, uh, which alleges unusual and unprecedented warming today, uh, he said, well, of course, the ideal temperature, we know what that is. That's, that's the temperature that would have existed before we started adding CO2. No, no. <laughs> that temperature would put us back in the middle of what the horrific little ice age, the horrific little ice age. Uh, during that time, a third of the population of the world perished. Half the population of Iceland perished. Everyone, Every one of your listeners know that the Vikings abandoned Greenland uh, during that cold time. And it was, uh, you know, it was green, called Greenland for a reason. It was because the, the previous warming period, it was green. And then it wasn't, and they couldn't survive. 
so what they're saying is, oh, well, we need to get back to those temperatures. No, it would be horrific for us as well. We would handle it better uh, because we've got a food distribution system where back then everything was on ox cart. But, of, of course, think about it. If AOC has her way, we'll be using ox carts again because she doesn't want to have uh, any any gasoline or diesel-powered vehicles. Um, but we'll be able to move food around the world, but it would still be – it will still lead – every other cold period led to a crop failure, famine, pestilence, and mass depopulation. Mm. Uh, and it's I, I, I'm I'm fascinated by that subject. Again, I'm 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 right in the middle of writing portions of that uh, it, for my for my next book, and it's it's really amazing that these you, you see these cold periods that when it starts getting cold, just civilizations around the world just start collapsing. Uh, you know, people get you know uh, if you were emperor and, and you were uh, uh, Emperor Bill, and you were in a warming period. You were pretty. You felt pretty safe. You were pretty good. You could feed your subjects. Everybody mm-hmm. was fat and happy. Uh, but then, if it started getting cold, you start going into something like a little ice age or the uh, the Greek Dark Ages or the Dark Ages. Emperor Bill wouldn't be feeling very comfortable because you're not able to feed your subjects, and they'll be coming after you with pitchforks. And and that's what we saw that these. Societies collapsed because they couldn't feed the population. Yeah. And Emperor Bill wouldn't like that, I promise you. You wouldn't be Emperor Bill very long. You'd be Emperor <laughs> Bill with your, you know, your head would be up on a pike over there and your body will be, you know, fed to the pigs over there. Yeah. Not to, but I mean, that's what happened. Yeah. And yeah. All right, let me take a little uh, break. I just got mm-hmm. a nice little uh, comment from a listener, Jeff. He said, uh, he called them the tree huggers. I assume he means the liberal people that they don't want to know the truth. They just want to push their own agenda, which is solar and no more coal-fired power plants and stop fracking and stop drilling for oil. Yep. Smart listener. Yeah, he's very smart. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back with Gregory Wrightstone, and we'll talk about his book and uh, called The Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't really want you to know about. If you have a question, let me know what it is. You can send a text to 877-933-2484. This is going to be a fascinating uh, hour if you just tuned in. Greg is a uh, geologist who's been investigating the Earth's processes for more than 35 years, and he's written a book called Inconvenient Facts, the Science that Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. And uh, a listener, another smart listener named Amy said, um, I, what is the motive of the government leaders for pushing this? Ah, that's a good question. I get, you know, there's it's phrased different ways. You know, what I sometimes hear and what I say is, why are they lying to us is basically what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always turn that around to your listener. And I can provide the science, the facts, and the data that tells you that they are lying to you. 
I can I can say they they can state this is occurring, and I can go, no, it's not, and here's the facts that prove that it's not. But I'm going to weasel out here by saying you and every single one of your listeners is just as qualified to tell me why the government's doing it as I am. Hmm. You know, because you know what I mean. Yeah. I I don't. I can't I can't look in men's hearts and women's hearts and see what they what their motivation is. Uh we can come up with a lot of ideas. Uh, but you know, Tom or Dave or Sam or Mary, whoever your your listener was, he or she would be just as qualified as I am. You know what is it? Is it control? Is it about the money? Is it um I'd say yes and yes. Of, <laughs> and a lot of the scientists we had this conversation today. Uh, with our group, the, the CO2 Coalition, where most of our membership, they're esteemed scientists, well-known, and but they're mostly elderly, and we have very few women. I, and I was asked, why is that? And we, we had a discussion about that, and that's because I'm pretty sure the, our membership is comprised of those that don't fear government retaliation, that don't feel fear... Uh, that they're going to be that their funding at the university will be restricted. So this this is this means if you're at the university and you're tenured, then you're safe. Mm-hmm. If you're retired, you're safe. And if you if yourself if you're if you've published some books and you become independently wealthy, you know, kind of like me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not, really. Not, mm-hmm. not 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 really. But um, I'm. It's you have to be fearless and. There are people. Why just? We had a an intern that worked with us. That that uh, she she was gifted. Uh, she worked on Capitol Hill back before COVID hit. Uh, she had a gift for for talking to people, and uh, she she ended up she after two weeks, the first two weeks she. Um, she she it was it was horrific for her because she was an environmental science, biology major an ecology major and this is her first job virtually every single one of her dear friends from college un disfriended her unfriended her they said you're you're a horrible person for going with this climate denier group um you be just really bad for her and she ended up and ended up actually resigning because she says you know if I stay with you I will she was, it was a paid position. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll be blacklisted the rest of my life. And that it, she was right. Uh, and we see this time and time again. We see it. Uh, Susan Crockford, the, one of the top polar bear scientists in the world. Um, you can go to her, her site's polarbearscience.com. She just actually released a new book today. But uh, she, you know, she lost her position. We see. Uh, Peter Ridley over in Australia, we see it time and time again of people either getting defunded, and it's not stated, but if you come out and you publish things that don't go along with with the this so-called 97% consensus, then you're you're blacklisted, your funding's lifted, you're um, you're a persona non grata, you're not invited to the uh, to the meetings, mm-hmm. you can't get you can't get your your papers published. We have a paper right now by um, Will Happer, uh, who was a uh, founder of the CO2 Coalition. 
very extensive paper on, on climate modeling. Uh, very, very, very good. And they can't find a home for it. Wow. And so they had to do what was called a pre-print. Pre-print. Pre, yeah, speak, help me speak. Pre-print. Uh, to get the word out there. Mm-hmm. So it's there's 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 blacklisting going on and it's just it is very we're we're getting uh targeted by uh, social media youtube twitter facebook mm-hmm. greg you talked about uh you'd mentioned the glooming the global warming models would you talk about that relative to like the real world what's going on well we know that if we if we look at again a lot of this is done by by John Christie, uh, people out of University of Alabama or University of Alabama at Huntsville, they they do a lot of work, uh, and they've come up with they've they've compared actual temperatures. And what you do is you, there's a model that says, okay, for every increase of CO2, there's a warming effect of X, and so you can take that back to like 1980 and compare that what they say the temperature should be compared to what that actually is. And what they did was with John Christie found that, and this is pretty well documented and supported, that the models that are used, and there's there's a little over, somewhere over a small number, over 100 different models that are used by these people, primarily what's called the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC. And just, if I'm a, I was, approved as an expert reviewer for that group. Uh, so, you know, to establish some of my bona fides there, but uh, uh, but but these models, there were over 100 of them. They, the average of the, that one, those 100 models showed two and a half to three times too much warming from the models hmm. as what the actual temperature was. Mm-hmm. So it was two and a half over uh, the, the temperate regions, and it was three times too much in the tropics. So this is so what, what they're doing. We're basing economically crippling wow. legislation and carbon taxes and all the rest on models that overpredict warming. Um, so what we what we see is if we actually look at what's going on with uh, increases in CO two and uh, warming. And again, I, I believe that yes, CO2 is increasing. Yes, CO2 is a greenhouse gas. And yes, CO2 has a warming effect on the atmosphere. We just think it's way, way overblown. Yeah. And we, it, it's, it can be documented very clearly. Yeah. And Greg, I'm uh, going to have to take a break. I just want you mm-hmm. to hold that thought, if you don't mind. We're up against a hard break, which means we're just going to disappear if we don't uh, go... Uh organically here. So let me take a break. Uh, Gregory Redstone is my guest. His book is Inconvenient Facts. And we're going to welcome your questions. All you have to do is send me a text 877-933-2484. Which question on the program? Be right back. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for 
Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have Gregory Wrightstone as my guest. He's written a book called Inconvenient Facts. We're talking about uh, climate change. And we were talking about models right before we went to break. Gregory, hopefully you've got uh, your train of thought still going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. If we look, remember I said earlier about about how if you look at every metric of the Earth and humanity, that we see that it's improving and getting better, just one item after another. And what we hear from the climate alarmists are just the opposite. And I look at what's actually happening in the real world, what's happening now. And they're using climate models that overpredict warming to say what may or may not happen 30, 50, 80 years in the future. Well, we've had warming now. We've had about a degree of warming of centigrade since the beginning of the 20th century. And we've had an increase in CO2. Well, shouldn't we see some effect of that warming by now? If, if, if warming is going to lead to all these horrible consequences, why haven't we seen anything bad going wrong? And a lot of the things they say, oh, well, this is occurring. Well, no, no it's not. Uh, we, they, they talk about hurricanes. This year was a bad hurricane year. There's no doubt. This was a, a record-breaking year for hurricanes. But it doesn't. if it's going to be climate-related, it show up, should show up as a, a multi-year trend. This is an aberration of this year. We've actually seen you could make a, a pretty good case that there's been a slight decline in the number of hurricanes over the last, really since the, uh, the late, you know, the 50s. The, uh, and, and because, and from the satellite area, for sure, it's been, and they go up, there's bad years and there's good years, but it's been pretty flat. Um, if you look at landfalling hurricanes in the United States, now bear in mind, measuring global hurricanes are in the north, or in the Atlantic and the, and the Gulf of Mexico is difficult because some of these hurricanes rise up and then disappear. Back when there were only wooden sailing ships, no one was there to record it. Uh, but what NOAA and NASA do is they look and they say, well, if a hurricane hit, landed in the United States from about 1800 on, we'd know it. And, if, and it's hard to miss. It's hard to miss a hurricane making landfall. <laughs> and so we, we, can ga- we can gauge accurately every one of those. And we see that actually there's been a, a marked decline uh, in, in hurricanes over the last, oh, at least over the last 100 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my book, I categorized there was a, a study actually from uh, the University of Mexico City that actually went back to 1750, that, and they, they were pretty clear that there'd been a, a long-term decline in hurricanes. So we're not seeing this, they're not seeing this, this increase in the number of hurricanes. Uh, the other thing we talk about, uh, what we hear about, oh, well, the, in, the intensity of the hurricanes are increasing. And uh, the, the top NOAA, that's Nat- National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, uh, their top guy, the guy's name is Oh, he's got a great name for a climatologist. His name is Christopher Land Sea. Almost as, <laughs> Christopher almost Land Sea. Okay. Land oh. Almost as good as a geologist named Wright Stone. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And now he's if you you can go to the NOAA site, uh, search, go to NOAA and look for hurricanes, and he's got and see what he has to say. 
he he said he can document he says that there's been about a one percent increase in hurricane intensity mm-hmm. uh during the satellite period here over the last forty years fifty years and okay well that's one percent well who who's going to know the difference whenever Katrina made landfall between hundred and thirty eight miles an hour and hundred and thirty nine miles an hour you know that's it's it's so inconsequential, and that's what he said. It's 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 really beyond, below our ability to measure. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, oh, go, mm-hmm. go ahead. Did you finish your well, thought? I, well, no, and that's what we're saying. We see, and we also see the same thing with tornadoes. For sure, mm-hmm. tornadoes have been declining, and that's that's clear, very very clear in the data. Again, we go back to NOAA for that. And what they do, NOAA is similar to the hurricanes. Remember, I said. You know, a lot of these hurricanes would rise up and then dissipate before anybody knew it. And the same thing with tornadoes is that Noah says, well, you know, a tornado can touch down and go away. So what they do is they look, they say, well, they're called F, the, the F3 or greater. They say these are the really big tornadoes. And and that's what they they say for long-term tornado uh mapping and charting of that day. If we go look at F3s, because they say an F3, even though there was sparsely, you know, in the 1800s, Kansas and whatever was sparsely populated, they were they were going to recognize an F3 or bigger because hmm. it was so big. And if we look at that, the numbers have actually declined. Right, another, yeah. Okay, Greg, another question came in. If getting warmer is okay, please explain the impact on the glaciers. Well, there's no doubt the warming. Well, it's not good for a glacier, obviously. Uh, but the, the fact is, what does that have to do with the impact on humanity? There's no doubt glaciers are in retreat. They have they have been since really it's about the uh, the early 1800s. Now, bear in mind, our warming that we're in right now started in the late 17th century, in the late 1600s. 1695, actually, around that year, is the, the coldest part. And it started warming. It's been warming in fits and starts ever since. Now, the glaciers continued to the, – the, it was horrible what they did in Europe, and particularly in Europe because the United States wasn't very well populated in the, in the 1600s. But these glaciers came down into the German Swiss Swiss towns in France got some areas got devastated by the, the glacial advance that overwhelmed villages and so it, it started warming up but it it didn't get warm enough until the early 1800s for now bear in mind when we talk about glaciers what what causes a glacier to advance or, or retreat you have to have more ice and snow accumulation in the winter than you do melting in the summer and it didn't get warm enough for that until in the early 1800s. And by 1850, uh, the glacial retreat was was at about the same rate that it is now. Uh, and again, that was long before we started adding prodigious amounts of CO2 to the atmosphere, which those, that part that occurred in the mid 18 or the mid 20th century, uh, in that post World War II economic boom, is when we started really started ramping up CO2. Uh, so yes. Glaciers are in retreat, um, and it's due to the warming. And it happens every time. Whenever the globe starts warming, glaciers retreat. When it gets cold, they advance. Um, 
And what we're seeing now, if you look at again, I'm I'm writing parts of this right now for my book. Uh, if we look around the uh, around the world, if you go to the Mendenhall Glacier uh, outside of Juneau in Alaska, uh, my wife and I visited there a few years ago. I didn't know, but underneath me, what what's happening is as the Mendenhall Glacier and other glaciers around the Earth are retreating. They're exposing, especially if you, your your listeners think, oh, this guy writes down, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, just just Google Mendenhall uh, Glacier or uh, Mendenhall uh, Forests or something, but they're being these full fully grown forests are being exposed at the, as the glacier retreats. They're getting the bases of these trees uh, back from the last warming period, the medieval warm period. So think about it. We had fully grown mature forests and that then, were overwhelmed, and now it's now they're just getting so. So it, it it has to it had to have been a lot warmer back then. Oh yeah, than it is now. Yeah, that's a powerful comment. Um, great, uh, hard to believe. They're finding. Well, yeah. We see that in, when we see that in um, in Sweden as well. Um, number in Norway, as these glaciers are retreating, they're they're finding all these uh, document evidence of Viking settlements and mm-hmm. habitation. So t- again, and that's from the medieval warm period, the period of about a thousand years ago. It went from a period of maybe 850 AD to 1250 AD. Um, and so th- as these things are retreating, they're going, "Oh my God, this is terrible!" You know, we've got all this archaeology that's being destroyed because it. Because of global warming, it's 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 causing these archaeological treasures to be exposed. Well, they don't realize that they're just what they're saying is it was a lot warmer then, mm-hmm. and it's and that cuts the legs out from under this idea of unusual and unprecedented warming. Yeah. All right here, are a couple of comments, uh, Greg, and then I'll let you respond. Two different listeners. Science does not matter. It is control. And pockets lined with money by those companies that benefit from this movement. That's one comment. Another one is, it seems to me that climate alarmists will use any plausible scare to demand more government control, global and national. There's been real examples of several high-profile climate scientists suppressing or modifying data to better amp up the hysteria around global warming. Oh, you better believe it. And I, I dove into that. Again, with my second book that's coming up, the title is A Very Convenient Warming. And I looked into to the science that's supporting this, and it's 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 absolutely incredible the, what, what some of these scientists it, – it looks like scientific malfeasance to get to what they need to do. I mean, they, they, uh, some of these scientists just absolutely fabricated data. Uh, there was data missing, and they just made it up and filled it in. Uh, they 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 took some some of the records, documented a number, quite a few studies that went back to, I just like, let's say 1650, and they started it in 1725 because the the early data didn't match what they wanted. They the tree ring data that drives a lot of the a lot of the studies uh, is it, just flawed. They use now, bear in mind, let's think about tree rings. This, I know I'm going, I don't want to go too deep in the weeds. Your, your listeners will get it when I explain it to them. In theory, if you have a tree that's living on the edge of the tree line, let's say up on a mountain or up, up in the northern latitudes, and it's, it's very cold 
And so when it gets when, when more, the Earth warms, there will be more growth in theory, and that that does occur. And so you should be able to, if you select the correct tree in the correct areas, you should be able to equate tree ring data. The more it grows with warmth, and, but you have to be very careful. And the one the one group of data it's called the bristlecone pines from the southwest United States, the oldest trees that I believe on Earth. Uh, and it was just completely documented. The guys that did this study said, "Do not use this for temperature data." But it was the main study that's used time and time again. The, the main researcher said, "Don't use it for temperature data because it's it's related to CO2 driven. In other words, CO2 is driving tree ring growth in this area." But it's the primary study used uh, to document this idea of unprecedented and unusual warming. Um, and we just see this stuff from time and time again. Just, just uh, it'll, it'll, it'll curl your toes. When you, if you aren't outraged when you read this, I, as I was researching, I was just, it was, it was bad, and it is bad. Mm-hmm. Take one last break. Gregory Wrightstone is my guest. Uh, his book is Inconvenient Facts, the Science that Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. We'll take a short break. We've got time for another question or two. You can text them to me, 877-933-2484. Oh, the Julie Bell Swain is a mighty fine boat. I got a mighty fine captain, too. Got a big red wheel that goes around and around and a bunch of old hippies for a crew. Well, I can't stay. Shh. Welcome back to the show. Greg Gurria Wrightstone is my guest. We're talking about his book, The. Uh, Inconvenient facts, what Al Gore doesn't want you to know. And uh, I got a very thoughtful question that came in, uh, Greg, and, and basically the the, um, the listener is saying, how do we turn this around when there, are evil, when there are evil enough people to try to ruin our lives if we, if we oppose their propaganda? Well, I, I'm very optimistic. As I travel around the country... I found I was before COVID hit. I was doing lots of speaking around the country. I just every single random person I met on an airplane, I go I go sit, you know, at the bar and have a have a beer and a sandwich, you know, waiting on my airplane to come in. And uh, every single person was thirsty for this information. I did not meet one person. I had people that questioned me, and then I would pull out my. And we'd start talking, and they were just they were they were thirsty for this. People are thirsty for this information. I think that the overwhelming population of the United States, for them, I can talk about the United States, is greatly skeptical of this idea of catastrophic man-made warming. And we need to get the. And that's why I took I took this position with the CO2 coalition to try and get that that message out there because it would amplify my voice and. So right now I'm going through a fundraising effort. So the the, the email or the, the website address for the CO2 Coalition is co2coalition.org. If you want to make a difference, I'm going to ask each one of your listeners go there, don- donate twenty bucks, because hmm. we need. It's going to. 
Our group is so powerful. We do great science. We have done, we've been doing, putting out great science, but it doesn't do a tag on thing if the, if, if you can't communicate it. And that's, that's what I'm, uh, my strength is in communication and outreach and it, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. And so if they want, if they want to do something and they like what I, they've been hearing from me, go to the CO2coalition.org and, and make a donation. This is, you know, it's tax deductible and you can, you can help me get this message out there mm-hmm. um, and sleep well tonight because you've, you've done good things. Uh, but we're again, again, we're different from other organizations. There's no other organization like the CO2 coalition because it's again some of the top scientists in the world. We don't we don't go with the politics at the beat our chest and scream. You know, it's a sane, rational uh, description of what's actually happening, and that's what's needed. Mm-hmm. People people welcome that. Yeah. I have a uh, compassionate listener that is curious about the warming trend and what is it doing to the cold weather animals. Uh, such as the polar bears and the seals and all that. Well, and particularly the polar bears, uh, I, I got I got booted off of LinkedIn oh, a month or month and a half ago for ten days because I I dared to to post the latest polar. I had a, a chart of polar bear population for the last sixty years that showed increasing polar bear population, and and it's just not it's. And they, they, they don't like it. It's the facts. It's polar bears are increasing in population. Uh, in fact, at some dangerous levels in some areas. Uh, there's no doubt that the cold weather, that, that the warming climate, um, it's been that way since the dawn of time, that, you know, as, as temperatures warm, um, the niches, the, the food niches, the, the climate niches where people were, uh, animals and, and plants uh, survive and thrive. It, as it warms, it moves north and it moves higher in the in the altitudes in the mountains. It just does. And when it gets cold, it goes the other way. Um, but it's not proven to be catastrophic in the past, and it's not going to be catastrophic now. Uh, if we look at Dr. Tim Ball uh, from Canada, he, he he documented Canadian tree lines, and he says over the last uh, 200 years, the Canadian tree line has moved 200 kilometers to the north. So, of course, and that that's due to this, uh, the warming that we're in. But it's not catastrophic. It's actually good for that. If, uh, and and again, what we would, what your listeners should should realize that uh, these these are natural things that have been happening time and time again, cyclically for again since the dawn of time. Uh, Again, I want to say fear the cold. Cold periods are catastrophic and horrific. Welcome the warmth. Uh, it's, it's always led to good things, and we're seeing good things happening today. Mm-hmm. Greg, when Al Gore wrote his book, um, I think the the buzzword at the time was, was global warming. Now, we've changed that to uh, climate change. just seems like we have to keep that those terms a little bit more uh, pliable. Yeah. It was a brilliant PR move because now anything that seems unusual or unprecedented can be blamed on, on man-made climate change, not man-made. But but if you think about it, everything they're talking about is global warming. It's all related to global warming. 
and they just don't. And but, but what they want to do is is claim that any unusual cold, any unusual snow, uh, uh, anything like that is 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 because of man's influence on the climate. And and I I'd have to say that their attempts to to change what they want to do with with the Paris Climate Accord uh, and the Green New Deal, they want to change the temperature of the Earth. They want to control the uncontrollable, mm. uh, and it's and it's and it's just crazy. And right now we've got John Kerry that's been proposed as uh, Joe Biden's new climate guru or czar or whatever you're going to call him. Uh, and do we have a few minutes to talk about that? Sure, if you like. Yeah, well, let's do that because with John Kerry and what's going to go on, uh, I fear for what's what's going to happen. There, there are some bad things that are looming out there that could be that could be uh, economically destructive for the United States. And if we talk about John Kerry, I think we first we have to start with understanding that he truly believes that there is going to be a climate apocalypse because of man-made driven warming. And he just does. He thinks that he, he he's a true believer. I'm I'm convinced of that. The other thing, if we look at, he's also stated just three years ago. Well, I know it was just before Trump was elected. He stated it in Paris that he did not believe that anything we did in the United States would make a difference at all. He stated he that. Could, yep. Yep. I didn't I'll know send that. Send you the link. Oh, definitely. He said, there's nothing, anything we can do that will have any effect on climate because China and India continue, mainly China, continue to increase their CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. And they're they're going to continue to do that. The only way we can uh, stop this devastation that's looming and we're all going to die is, is to have China come on board. So what's he going to do? He's going to go over to China, is my prediction. He's going to go over to China. And go look, guys. You know we're all you. You need to get on board, and and I think he's willing to bargain away all the good that's been done for the last four years in terms of trade deals and all those things that Donald Trump has worked to uh, to get us back on an even playing field with China. He, I, I believe, he's very willing to get rid of all that, mm-hmm. wash his hands. For promises of future emissions reductions from China, that, that we will do this by the year 2050, and then it won't happen. But he'll be long gone. Um, the other person we got to we got to worry about is Janet Yellen at Treasury. Um, she's she may be more dangerous because Kerry's been pretty ineffective over the years. But Janet Yellen is a very hard-nosed individual, and she's a very, very, very big proponent of carbon taxes. She calls it a, um, a conservative economic free market philosophy for reining in and solving the climate problem. Well, I, I look at it as as a solution in search of a problem. I don't see that there is a problem, uh, but this she's there's there are ways you can look at this. We've we've talked about that. We saw where COVID was was called. They were able to do things that we never thought they were going to be able to do, but they did it because they said it was a crisis. They can do the same thing with climate change. Mm-hmm. They can say this is a crisis and we have to enact this and this and this. Uh, that's one way they're going to go about it. The other way is now that they're in charge of the EPA. Uh, they can do what's called sue and settle. They'll have green groups 
file lawsuits of hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. The EPA goes, oh, my God, we can't do that. And they'll make a settlement, uh, a sweetheart settlement that's favorable to the the, uh, environmental companies or uh, organizations, and it's done deal. Mm -hmm. And even if it goes to court, EPA goes, well, we can't do anything. There's already a consent decree that we did that we signed. There's there's a lot of bad things that they can do, mm-hmm. and uh, but the one thing we're talking about now with with the, the Paris Climate Accord, Joe Biden said he's going to get us back into it on day one. Well, what we're trying to do is propose that Trump submit it to the Senate. Go ahead and submit the Paris Climate Accord to the Senate, mm-hmm. and what that does is put put them on on notice. And now all of a sudden we have this Paris Climate Accords before the Senate. And whether they vote on it or not, it's there's going to be a lot of questions as whether he can actually get us back into it if, if it's already been put before the Senate for approval. Yeah. Greg, it's been a great discussion. Thank you so much for um, uh, coming on the show today. Very good. Let's do it again. All right. Gregory Wrightstone has been my guest. His book is called Inconvenient Facts, the Science That Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. Thanks to all my guests for making today such a wonderful show. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Always a real pleasure to spend the afternoons with you. I look forward to our time tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. See you then. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.